Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. When I was working at McLaren, starting with that clean sheet, it was important to establish a design language that had never been done before because at that level, you don't want to copy other, you know, mix and match different design solutions from different companies and turn it into that, what, what I call a minestrone soup. It really doesn't taste like anything. Um, but if you can take the concept of nature, of why things are fast or developed to be fast in nature, what makes those designs fast, and you can apply that to a car design, then you must be doing something right. And I did that at McLaren by studying um, fast animals, fast birds, fast fish. They're all... I would call it shrink-wrapped. In other words, there's no excessive material on these on these fast uh, organisms. They're all basically honed to almost like an athletic-looking body where there is very little BMI, you could almost say body mass index or, or, or mass to them. So they're, they're almost like hungry-looking in the sense that there's no superfluous surfaces. In other words, it's not rounded, it's sucked in. It's almost like what I call shrink-wrapping. And that has given the McLarens that I've worked on for the last 10 years, that distinctive, honed, uh, very athletic, very light, very fast look to them, and very unique. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember, folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Great. Welcome to the Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. My pleasure. Glad to be here. Yeah, it is my pleasure to have you here. So I came across your work by way of your publicist who told me about the work that you did. And when I saw what you had done and the cars you had designed, I realized, oh, wow, those are the cars that every probably boy who ever mm -hmm. thought about becoming rich has fantasized about since he was a little kid. Uh, so with that in mind, uh, I want to start by asking you, what is your earliest memory of doing something creative uh, that shaped and influenced who you've become and what you've done with your life? Wow. That's a... <laughs> I thought I was asked, I've been asked everything in my life, but that's the first time I've heard that one. The first thing I've ever done creative in my life. Um, it, I think everything I've ever done is pretty much leaning towards having been creative from the very start. Um, I can remember, I mean, if we want to look at the drawing side, that's all I ever did when I was a kid. I, I rarely went out. I spent, I spent every moment I could drawing i grew up i think almost with you know some people grow up with uh bikes or getting out and playing in the sandbox i don't have any memories of that i have memories of sitting at home uh drawing on a piece of paper or copying something that i've seen in a in a magazine or something or a comic book and drawing so that's i i can't place that 
date, but I know that it basically is one of the first memories I ever have is just sitting there with a pencil or a piece of paper and, and drawing. I don't even know. I mean, obviously I was drawing something, but it probably was something like, I don't know, I grew up in Morocco, so it was probably a horse or a donkey or something, but um, definitely uh, the creative side has always been the artistic side. In other words, drawing or, or doing something like that. Do you remember what sparked that interest, if anything, like where that even started? Well, you know, everybody says that or, uh, people typically have influences from their parents on on whatever they end up doing or start taking a passion uh, towards when they're growing up. My father wasn't much of an artist. My mother was pretty much more into the creative arts. Um, she was, I, I remember you know, the first memory I think I have of home uh, the smell that triggers home is oil paint. So I remember my mother was always uh, into oil painting and uh, spending a lot of time in the kitchen painting. So I, I remember that the creative spark from from that artsy side might have come from from her. But on the other hand, um, you know, uh, I, I'm not really an artist. I'm more of a, a designer, which might sound a bit uh, like an oxymoron in in certain way because. Uh, a designer is an artist, obviously, but he's more of a thinker in the sense of being able to come up with something that doesn't exist and is able to make it exist, if that makes any sense, that has a purpose to it. So there's yeah. a lot of science involved in, in in a person who's a designer, too. Um, and that potentially came from my father. He was, he was really on the uh, technical side and uh, the mechanical side, the industrial side of things. Uh, he wasn't much of an artist, and my mother wasn't much of a, a designer either. She would paint, but um, I think if you distill those two elements together, you'll probably come up with some uh, similar traits and other designers that have that kind of influence when they're growing up. Did you have siblings? Uh, do you have siblings? And uh, if so, did they end up on similar career paths? Nah, yeah, I have a brother, older brother, two years older, but we're chalk and cheese. He's. Uh, He's he's not hands on like me. He's much more of um, uh, just just completely on the other side of the spectrum from me. I'm completely into doing things with my hands and constructing things and getting my hands dirty, pretty much. Uh, whereas he he was pretty much of a he, he read a lot. You know, he was into his research and things like that. A bit more uh, into the book side of things. But I I always just loved getting my hands dirty in the sense of creating things, you know, um, and, and using my hands to make things and, and not to say I don't like reading because I'm an absolute, uh, you know, as crazy as it gets when it comes to getting a magazine or a newspaper or some research information in front of me. I, I, I do that with a passion, but I, I love using my hands to create stuff. I can relate. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing I wonder, having grown up in Morocco, mm -hmm. uh, you here in America, particularly you know, in the last few years, one of the really unfortunate things that has started to happen to our education system is that arts education is being cut from budgets because of the you know questionable value of it, which I think is completely insane. Mm -hmm. uh, and I wonder, in a system like Morocco, what is the education system like, and how does a person like you mm. uh, fit in or stand out? I mean, does that kind of a system spit you out and you know chew you up, uh, or do you actually thrive in a system like that? How does it differ from you know what yeah. we experience here? I, I, I think it, I mean, I, for me, it was a positive way of, of becoming what I am, because if you look at those kind of what we, we, we look back and we say they're exotic upbringings, you know, if you, you know, people think of Morocco in the 60s has been about as exotic as it can get. But at the same time, it's, 
and the education system obviously is important, but I don't think the education system really comes into play until your later years when you start grasping the the concept of education. In other words, you can you, we're educated as kids, you know, going up uh, when we start going to school, but that's basically just fun and, and learning basic things that doesn't come across to you as something that you need when you're going to be older to to apply it to. It's uh, it's a different way. When you start getting into your teens and, and, and years where you're going to start thinking about what am I going to do for the rest of my life, then you start thinking of education as something that's going to benefit you, I guess, long term. I I just happen to be wired, if that makes any sense, to do what I do. I don't think I could have really been, not that I could have been successful at something else, but I think what I'm optimally wired to do is to be uh uh, to be what I am today. And I think a lot of that stems from curiosity. I've been e- incredibly curious about things throughout my whole life uh, since I was a kid. That's why I, I like reading. Uh, that's the similarity that I think that I mentioned I have with my brother. But I just devour books. I devour information. Uh, and nowadays it's a lot easier, obviously, with the internet and things like that. But basically, I think if you're... Designers, designers aren't really... Uh, made, if that makes any sense, or, or you don't become a designer. Um, I think you can try, but the ones who are, say, successful or, or you know, hit, hit home runs all the time are the guys who are basically that way since they were a little kid. It's kind of mm-hmm. hard to learn to be curious. I, I don't think you can actually do that. Or, yeah. or to have that passion for, for drawing or, or, or thinking of things that don't exist. It kind of puts you into another dimension as a kid. And a lot of us don't have many friends when we're growing up simply because we yeah. seem, you know, not, not that you're an oddball, but basically you, you, you get your enjoyment, your kicks out of doing something uh, that most kids don't even consider. You know, people think it's work, but for me, it's uh, sit down and draw and, and come up with ideas, conceptualize ideas for solutions to things is, is what, what, what revs me up, I guess, what gets me all excited and enthusiastic. Yeah. Well, it's funny because when I when I look at creative work, right, people, many people see writing in the same way. And I, I say, look, like, I don't see this on a, as an obligation or an item on my to do list. I see it as a privilege uh-huh. <laughs> and something that I just look forward to in the morning. I in it. fact, I would go insane <laughs> if I didn't do it. Yeah, 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 absolutely true. If I wasn't doing this, I'd probably be one of the, you know, extremely frustrated. I, for me, it's almost therapeutic. I guess you can you can relate to that because. And a lot of people get into music because it's therapeutic or they get into poetry, writing, whatever. The creative side of, of, of life is, is for the guys who do it is kind of, um, it's not work. I mean, uh, yeah. it's the only way you really, you, you don't do a nine to five job when you're in the creative profession. You basically live, live the lifestyle and, and enjoy it. I mean, there's frustrations along the whole way because sometimes you get it right and sometimes you don't, but uh, ultimately when you do get it right it pays back all that effort it that uh because it's it's tiring i mean i you know to be to be i don't want to just say designer anybody who's in a creative profession you don't really turn off you're always on you're you're on the receiving end all the time picking up influences or inspirations from 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 everywhere so you don't really shut off uh, there's no like yeah. saturday sundays i you know i'm taking time off it, it doesn't work that way in the creative mm-hmm. profession so um, but I enjoy it. I mean, for me, it's the only way, way forward. It's, uh, I wouldn't want to be doing anything else, maybe sports or something, but I think, uh, my outlet yeah. and my satisfaction and quality of life comes from, from being creative, I guess. 
So uh, you mentioned earlier that designers aren't really made and they're born. And mm. it, it kind of brought to this question of, you know, and, and maybe there's no real answer to this because I think that people have told me when I've asked a similar question, like if I had the answer to that, I'd be a billionaire. <laughs> but yeah. like, why does somebody like a Johnny Ive become a Johnny Ive? Or, you know, why do yeah. you know people who design at that level become capable at that level? Like, what is that that enables that? Um, for one thing, luck doesn't exist. I have never, ever believed in luck. What I do believe in is is being in the right place at the right time and taking advantage of that, which is basically the definition of being able to be lucky, I guess you could say, because luck is what you make. You know, you, you see an object. A situation or an opportunity and you don't just sit back and hope it you know something happens you have to make it happen so i've been brought up with this um philosophy that uh it, nothing's going to be handed to you um if you want something you have to go out and get it and if you want to make a success out of it you have to put in a lot more effort than the next guy and that there's always somebody out there that's going to do a better job than you so don't ever be you know, sitting back on your laurels thinking you've, you're number one because you're not. <laughs> There's always somebody else out there. But with the case, like you mentioned about Jonathan Ives, basically I would say he's, one thing, he's obviously got the talent to, to do what he's done. You know, you don't get to that level there without having uh, some kind of merit or, or value of being able to, to do that kind of uh, job well. So, um, but then when the opportunity is there, he's been able to grasp it. He's been able to not just turn out a beautiful product, but look at, at he, what he's done or what, what Apple has done in, with him involved, obviously, is look for a product that most people didn't even imagine or know or think they needed but he's, or, or wanted. But what he's done is he's come up with a solution for something that nobody's asked for, if, you, if that makes any mm -hmm. sense. So a lot of people, if you ask them, what do you want or what do you need? They have no idea. They're not really designers. They just take what, what's out there and use it. But if you can come up like they have done with a product that basically turns, turns your life around, gives you, you know, some kind of uh, advantage that you've never had before, and it does it in a, in a com successfully commercial way as they have done it, then, then they've hit it on the head. So he's, Jonathan I was just in the right place at the right time, saw that, saw the opportunities and the, the technology available, and he's put all those factors together and come up with a, a, a hit pretty much. And they've continued on it because they understand the market and they've created a, you know, a, um, a value to the product and uh, established the whole, you know, Apple now is, is one of the strongest brands out there. If you're a customer of Apple, you buy anything they come out with and you don't question it twice. Um, you know, you, again, the competition is chasing them all the time. And uh, it's not to say that they're, always number one but they have to really they, they've set the, the bar pretty high with uh with their products and with that mentality so i think what it what it is in, in you know in a nutshell is being able to understand first of all hoping you have that talent not hoping but if you have it you know it i guess you, you know because that's what you live for you don't think about trying to design you just or, or or write music or anything like that you do it and and the good guys do it well and pull it out of thin air and can make a success out of it. But if you're, if you can't do anything further than, than do that, then you're a bit limited. So if you're put into a situation where you can actually carry that idea onwards um, and, and reach a market with it, then that's what makes the, uh, the, the, the whole thing makes it, makes a success out of the people who are, I mean, when I grew up in Morocco, the, the farthest thing from my mind was going to the United States uh, and studying car design. I mean, that was like, 
it didn't even make any sense. And I was drawing cars like crazy as a kid. You know, I grew up you know, getting interested in cars around 10, which is around the age that most kids start thinking you know, cars are pretty cool. One day I'll be able to drive one. But yeah. uh, in, in living, I lived in Casablanca and Istanbul in those years there. And I never, cars weren't really, you know, a thing in the, in the culture of those countries. But for me, I was mm-hmm. obsessed with them. And the, the loving to draw and loving to be able to come up with an idea for a car that didn't exist was, was fascinating. I had no idea that car design was a profession. I just thought, you know, cars, you, somebody pulled a switch or a lever <clears throat> and out came a car. I didn't know that you could actually sit there and design it and have it built and that it would come out and be sold. I had no, yeah. no awareness of that. But um, yeah, so, wow. so basically it's just setting yourself up mentally and, 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 and playing your cards right and getting, putting yourself into the situation where it can happen. Well, I think that makes a perfect segue to talking about your actual work. You know, you talked about setting yourself up mentally. I mean, you sign up for a life, I think, in any creative profession where nothing is guaranteed and anything is possible. So how, as somebody who signed up for that life, do you go from that to being the person who's the head of design for, you know, Ferrari, McLaren, the cars that I think every young boy has fantasized about yeah. uh when we jokingly say one day when we have fuck you yeah, exactly yeah it's not easy believe me um especially in those in the arts because everybody's trying to stick a, a knife in your back and smile at you at the same time because everybody wants that kind of career you know or or get to get get, get to a level where they can say you know they've they've accomplished quite a bit um and it's a rat race, just like anything else. You know, everybody is fighting everybody, and it's a dog-eat-dog world. But uh, the guys who have success and manage to um, – it's kind of hard because you have to be a team player when you're working on those kind of things. You're not working for yourself. You're working for a company, and the company expects you to uh, design a product that makes them profit uh, through your mm-hmm. your creativity and your hard work. So. Um, <clears throat> You don't just, you know, some people are one hit wonders. They'll do a product or a, a piece of work and then it goes, it comes out and it's successful, but that's the end of it. And you never hear from these people again. The ones that, um, you know, are sought after, the kind of designers that are sought after, are the guys who can repeatedly do something uh, consistently at a level that is profitable for the company. And, 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 and even more so if you can be, if you're not stereotyped. Hey, it's Trini. I hope you're liking this episode of The Unmistakable Creative. Did you know that every Sunday, our community manager, Melina, sends out 10 key takeaways from episodes like this one? All you have to do to receive it is sign up for our newsletter. Just visit unmistakablecreative.com slash newsletter, and you'll get them delivered right to your inbox. Again, that's unmistakablecreative.com slash newsletter. Well, so, you know, one thing I, I wonder, what in the world goes into the process of designing an automobile like a Ferrari or a McLaren. Um, and, and the other question is why is it so damn expensive? Like, you know, you look at these things mm. and you're like, okay, that is in, in our heads. And I do want to actually talk about this from a very di- psychological perspective that for, I think yeah. for many of us, we think that's the pinnacle of achievement. If I'm seen driving around in this thing, although the funniest mm. thing I've ever heard about this, uh, Naval Ravikant, who's a, a venture capitalist, uh, you know, extremely wealthy guy in Silicon Valley, early investor and mm-hmm. dozens of companies. He said, he's like, none of these cars are practical to drive on the streets. And you think about mm. that and you're like, right, of course. Uh, but we'll get to that. What I wonder is what does the design process look like for such a, 
high end car, you know, and why? Yeah, I'm good? sure it's um, yeah, especially because our design studio, well, any design studio, is sort of like a a layer, you know, a secret layer, bond layer where things happen that you know, uh, like mac- magic potions are, are put together and out comes this amazing product and how does that actually work which uh and nobody's allowed inside the design studio because you know it's the secrets of the company are being held for for the next three or four or five years so people are pretty curious all the time but it's um how does it work i'll tell you what the the secret is that the 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 not the secret but the the interesting thing is that the cheap, easy cars, cheap meaning not expensive, not that they're bad cars, but that they're, you know, everybody can drive them, so whatever, they're bread and butter cars, are just as fun to design as the high-end exotics. There's there's no extra pleasure, I would say, or, or enthusiasm designing uh, a super exotic hypercar as there is to designing an everyday car. Um, I, I tell you, I see a lot more minis than I do McLarens and Ferraris that I've designed around. <laughs> yeah. around. So it's like you get to see your kids a lot more often when they're when they're more popular than than if they're high end exotics. You know that you only see once a once a blue moon. Mm-hmm. Um, but the but the funny thing is the the responsibility is the same because if you design a bad car, in other words, a bad looking car that doesn't sell very well, yeah. that's going to be a heck of a lot more expensive for the company than if you design a a beautiful car. So um, in terms of investment, because the company has to sell these things. And if it doesn't sell well, no matter how, what end of the market you're at, the losses are incredible. So the pressure's on one way or the other. If you have, you know, Mini, for example, you design that, that's, that can be a, a, a huge success and create so many jobs and new dealerships and, and, and satisfied customers that the impact can be even huger than designing the latest McLaren or the latest Ferrari, which people, you know, kids will put them up on their bedroom walls and dream about them and hope one day they might be able to see one or get inside one or even drive one. But at the same time, you can affect a lot more lives <clears throat> with, with the cars that people are able to afford. So, so you're as enthusiastic as a designer to design any of those cars along that spectrum. It doesn't, doesn't you know, people think, oh, you must be, fat, you know, in heaven designing McLarens. I was. And I was actually more in heaven designing McLarens than I was at Ferrari um, because the fact with when you're designing a Ferrari, uh, it's been around for 70 years yeah. more around. And you have to design a car that looks like a Ferrari. Whereas when I went to McLaren, the brief was open. They didn't really have a history of, of road cars. They were a racing car company and to design a, a road car for a company like McLaren, okay, the, uh, you know, the cachet is, 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 is pretty significant impressive but you, i had to create a look for a mclaren there was no family feeling no no design language per se to to base off uh to use as a, as a kicking or a starting block for the uh for the new mclaren design language so that was fun being able to create a mclaren the way you envisioned the mclaren to be you know you're not restricted by something that's been done before and it has to have that family feeling look um when you go about designing it any product i think um you don't just jump, you know, start right away with, with turning out ideas of what this car is going to look like. Um, it might sound like that that's the process. And most of us, when we start designing, design uh, just with a p- uh, blank sheet of paper and um, a big pen in our hands. We don't use computers like a lot of people think we do. It's basically just throwing ideas on paper 
with a pen. But the secret, I think, is to design, is first to research, a lot of research. You have to go in and look at what the market needs. You know, the marketing team will come in and tell you, this is what you, what we expect you to do. But even the marketing team can get it wrong. Um, and, and you don't really necessarily design what they're asking you to design. You design, or I design what I think they need or what the market needs. And that, that is a different way of looking at the, uh, design issue, the design um, challenge, is to design what you think they need, not what they're asking for. Um, <clears throat> so when you design at the high end, it's just the same as when you design at, at the other end of the market. You're coming in with research on, on what the competition is out there uh, or what it's going to be like in four or five years. You kind of have to be a, a kind of a – you have to see uh, – there's nothing hard because we don't know what the caution uh, competition is doing in five years time. But if you can envision what trends are, if you go back and see what the trends are in design, you can kind of calculate what's coming next. I mean, if I told you that cars now are starting to uh, come out that have laser headlamps, you would probably think I'm crazy, but uh, we used to have just normal headlamps. And then we had, uh, you know, Xenon by Xenon headlamps now we're actually starting to come out with laser headlamps. Well, there might be something that comes after laser headlamp, <clears throat> which there is actually. No. Um, but you have to start thinking on on that sort of level there. Um, so if you're designing something at the high end, like, like say a Ferrari, McLaren, Maserati, whatever, Lamborghini, you have to start thinking of solutions that don't exist today. And you have to try to work with an engineer who is about as crazy as the designer uh, <laughs> To make those things happen because what happens in the low in the lower segments and the high volume segments is they don't want to take chances on on new technology they want to leave that to the guys at the high end mm-hmm. to take the chances and you know it's a lot of investment to, to come up with new technology but that that technology at the high end will eventually trickle down so you'll start getting um high-end materials costing less and becoming uh yeah say, uh, normal things in, in, in the industry, but it's a challenge because if you're going to design the next new Ferrari, you can't just design another car. It's got to add something to the market Mm. or bring an advantage to the market, uh, on something that doesn't exist at the moment. So you're working constantly on these ideas, these fantasy ideas, almost with a, with a logical mind, uh, of, of a product that could work right? It, you don't know if it's going to work or how, how to make it work. But when you get the crazy designer working with a crazy engineer, that's when the sparks fly. That's when, when the impossible becomes possible. Um, I've never really even taken that uh, approach where this isn't going to work. It's just how to find a way to make it work. Um, that, that negative approach that we've never done it before. Um, it's, it's, it's going to be too expensive and, um, we don't know how to do it. All that is just negative, negative vibes that designers hate anyway. So we always try to hook up with engineers who are as like-minded, I guess, as designers. They're looking for innovation and things that make the um, the world move forward. Mm-hmm. I love that. So I guess to, to me, the, the, there are two things I wonder. So is the cost of these cars just based on the economics of supply and demand just because of the fact that, I mean, the market for McLarens is what, limited yeah. to in billionaires, I'm like guessing how many of them they yeah. sell. Not many. No, no, no that's the thing. The, the, nobody needs these cars at the, at this end of the market. Ferrari, who, who needs that car? I mean, 
it's ridiculous. You know, you're, you're, you can either buy a car, you can buy a couple houses, you know, so, <laughs> uh, nice houses at that. So nobody really needs those cars. Those cars are, and any, anything you design has to, for me to be successful, has to touch the emotional nerve of the customer, of the potential customer. In other words, you have to, you can't, it, it, it's rarely is it a practical decision nowadays. People expect quality. So if you buy something, you don't expect it to break down you, you, uh, or it won't sell over a long you know, period of time. People are just won't, won't have any, any trust in the product. So pretty much anything that you buy these days has got a sort of inherent level of quality to it. So then the design question becomes, um, does it touch you emotionally? Does it touch your emotional nerve and make you want to buy it? And of course, there's subjectivity to design in terms of taste. There's good design and there's bad taste, or sorry, good design and bad design. That's there's a scientific side to that, but taste you can't account for. So um, when you're designing at the high end, you got to make sure that whatever you design has some element of emotionalism to it, such that the customer needs that product. In other words, he's maybe not expecting to buy it, but when he sees it, he's just got to have it. How many things you know in everyday life that we think? We're not even thinking that we need it, but you're walking down the street, you look into a window, you see a product or a shirt or, or any element or product, and you say, I wasn't expecting to buy that, but I definitely want it now, and I need it because I just love it, the look mm. of it. So that's the kind of um, uh, feeling you have to give to a product like like a Ferrari or like a Maserati, yeah. uh, where where it becomes an emotional factor of, of per- emotional purchase uh, element. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Mm. You know, it's funny you mentioned that this stuff, you know, sort of trickles down to the lower market because I have a, a, you know, the new Mercedes A220 and it's literally Mercedes lowest end car and you sit inside of it and you're like, this looks breathtaking inside. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, I realized that what they were doing was they were creating a line that was accessible to people who are buying Toyotas. Yeah. Uh, and that to me was kind of mind boggling, which was, it was super cool. But one other thing you mentioned earlier is about resting on your laurels. So mm-hmm. as somebody who has to basically take these iconic cars. How each time do you go about, you know, doing a new one, avoid resting on your laurels? Like, how do you say, okay, how am I going to outdo what I just did? I mean, it's a McLaren <laughs> or a Ferrari, for God's sakes. Like, simply, as it, you know, yeah. to outdo. Simply because the, 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 the nature of a designer is that he is never satisfied. You can't be satisfied as a designer. I, I've never, true hand on heart, never fallen in love with anything I've ever designed almost have a hate relationship that I've had to stop designing it and hand it over to the engineers because there's always one, one more idea that I've wanted to bring into the design or one better modification that I've wanted to do. And, and at some point, because it's got to go into production, they make you, they force you to hang up your pencil and, and, and start something else or, or, or just let them get on the engineering, get on with it. Mm-hmm. But I, I am constantly unsatisfied with anything I've ever designed, I tell you, if I had to redesign or get back on any project that I've ever designed, the the result would be different from what's on the road today. I, I just have this constant uh, desire to not finish, a, to, to make something better than what yeah. it is. And uh, again, how do you do it? I don't know. I just, uh, it's almost like the ideas within my head are just constant. I've, I, I, I always feel there's a better way to do something. Uh, uh, a more efficient way. When I say better, I don't just mean different. I mean, there's a better, either, either it's, uh, uh, has a, a, a performance value to it, or it adds an aesthetic value, of course, to it, but there's always a better way to do something. That's, that's how my mind works. And, and again, it's very frustrating because I'm never really satisfied with anything, anything I look at in yeah. a restaurant or when I go shopping or, or anywhere, I'm always looking at something with a viewpoint that, that isn't as good as it could be. Uh-huh. So, um, and of course you get your inspiration from many different sources. I, 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 I'm really, really obsessive about, uh, it's a term called biomimicry, which is when you, uh, designers get their inspiration from a lot of different sources. You know, you can be inspired by architecture, furniture, fashion, whatever. 
I always go back to the true most intelligent source. I think it is, I think I would call it is, is nature. Um, and, and that is for me a wealth of, of, uh, knowledge, a wealth of inspiration that you can let you, it's unbeatable. Um, mm. there's there in, in nature, it's rare to find something that's not beautiful. And if you think about it, it's not really designed. It's just evolved to be extremely functional and best of the best. In other words, it has to survive and has to, uh, you know, continue. So the, 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 the design and quotation marks of anything that nature is in, uh, responsible for is pretty much an optimized design. So if you can use that as your inspiration for things that you design, you're, you're on the right track for, for the best solution, for the, um, most functional solution at the same time. And, uh, it's, it, it can develop a unique design language, uh, that, that, that inspiration can help you develop a unique design language. This is what I did when I started with McLaren. We had um, no, like I said, no real history of design, road car design. We had race cars, but you can't, realistically, you can't design a race car to be a road car. So you have to come from a different angle. And when I was working at McLaren, starting with that clean sheet, it was important to establish a design language that had never been done before because at that level, you don't want to copy other, you know, mix and match different design solutions from different companies and turn it into that, what, what I call a minestrone soup. It really doesn't taste like anything. Um, but if you can take the concept of, of nature, of why things are fast or developed to be fast in nature, what makes those designs fast, and you can apply that to a car design, then you must be doing something right. And, and I, I did that at McLaren by studying um, fast animals, fast birds, fast fish. They're all, I would call it shrink-wrapped. In other words, there's no excessive material on these, on these fast uh, organisms. They're all basically honed to almost like an athletic-looking body where there is very little BMI, you can almost say body mass index or, or, or mass tone. So they're, they're almost like hungry-looking in the sense that there's no... Uh, uh, superfluous surfaces in other words it's not rounded it's sucked in it's almost like what i call shrink wrapping and that has given the mclarens that i've worked on for the last 10 years that distinctive honed uh very athletic very light very fast look to them and very unique so there's no confusing you know i hate it when people say all oh, cars look the same uh that maybe is to the untrained uh eye for a lot of people but when you start looking at what makes a, a BMW look like a BMW or a Porsche look like a Porsche, you have to hold on to certain design cues or certain design elements that give you that family feeling that runs genetically throughout the, uh, the brand. And so to create that, you almost, it's, it's not easy to create that because it's like I said, most things do seem to have been done already, but if you go to nature and use that as an influence, which has rarely ever been done, um, then, then you can start to create something very, very unique. And, and I think that's been a big part of the success of McLaren in such a short time is that we've been able to come up with a, a practical solution um, where the design looks good, but it looks good because it works well. In other words, the, uh, that typical form follows function is one of the most ugliest things I've ever heard of in my life uh, or, or even stupidest things Form doesn't follow function. Form is function. So I would say that both are, you know, one equals the other. Whereas 
if the if the product functions well, it's naturally going to look well. And if it looks well, it's because it functions well. So it's you get one right, you get both of them right at the same time. One of my favorite ways to spread the message of our mission here at The Unmistakable Creative is through speaking. In the last two years, I've delivered keynotes and workshops to professional associations, large companies like Citibank and Meredith Corp, and even small ones on how creativity can lead to better working environments, fuel innovation, and increase the bottom line. So if you think I'd be a fit for your upcoming event and want to learn more, visit speaking.unmistakablecreative.com and get in touch. Again, that's speaking.unmistakablecreative.com. So I love the fact that you you brought up this idea of you know looking at things that uh, you know you design never being satisfied with them. I mean, you have a mm. documentary called Chasing Perfect, which I think really makes a perfect mm. segue to how you know I want to you know finish up our conversation and talking about sure, that. sure. So you know, I told you about the fact that um, when all of us are children, you know, particularly boys, I think we look at those cars and we think, yeah, mm. that is that is the pinnacle of achievement. That is what mm. life is about: is to get one of mm. those cars. If I have one of those things, that's how I'll know I've arrived. Yeah. That's when <laughs> I'll be happy. And of course, we have all the research in the world that shows that that's not true. That we can't solve our internal problems with external solutions like McLaren sure. and Ferraris. So as the guy who designs these things and somebody who perpetually looks at the things you design and isn't satisfied, how do you even think about that? Um, well, so you're, what we're doing is we're capturing a moment in time and we're caption, capturing a moment in, in society of what society uh, wants at that moment. I mean, if I was to design a car, uh, the way I envision a car would look like for 2070, I guarantee you it'd be a flop because nobody is living in that day and age currently. And it probably wouldn't adhere to the technology that we have today in terms of what we need. Uh, and, and in the same way, if I, if you look back, just, just backtrack, if, if a car today was offered back in 1910, it would scare the pants off of, of people and they would probably refuse to buy it. Um, you have to design for the age you're living and in the society uh, that you're living because, you know, different markets have different needs or uh, desires. And uh, you're, you're designing a car for Africa. You wouldn't design something that's super luxurious and there, there aren't the roads there to, to, to support that kind of network. You have to design what's practical for the, uh, the times you're living in. Um, yeah. Um, if, if kids are thinking that this is the best of the best, it's because that's the best at the moment. Um, what's funny is that we get to do, we do get as designers, the, the chance often to flex our, our muscles, I guess you could say, and do what we call concept cars that can show the public pretty much what's going to potentially be out there in, in 10 or 15 years or even 20 years ahead. The funny thing is, if you look backwards again, those concept cars from 20, 30 years ago have never materialized and actually look kind of ridiculous if you look back at them and think, you know, what were those guys on? What were they smoking? Because that is so far off of what we have today that it's ridiculous. And it's the same, I mean, not that they were, you know, there's anything wrong with them when they were designing them, but that's the same thing that's probably going to happen to the cars that we design today or envision today, today for the future. They're going to look ridiculous 50 years from now because they'll say, they'll say the same thing. What were those guys back in... 2020 thinking or what were they smoking because that is absolutely not what we're doing as as vehicles today we're moving kind of in that direction now which might seem a little bit strange to the 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 current 
current generations, we're, we're moving slightly away, not away, but to a solution, I would guess, that would that helps to, to change the age of mobility in the sense that we're going upwards instead of staying on the roads, uh, purely on the roads. There's a whole trend now to what's called EV toll aircraft, which is getting mobility up in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, that will lessen, not maybe lessen the amount of traffic on, on, on the ground, but improve the flow and the efficiency of getting from one place to the other. It's kind of like the air taxis, I guess you'd call them of the future, where uh, the the infrastructure is, is not expensive because you don't have to build roads in the sky, so to say. Um, but you land, you build the landing ports and the vertiports, they call them on the tops of hotels and different areas where you can land vertically or take off vertically. And you're, you're flying with the, with, uh, electric, electricity. So you're not as, as polluting as, as a car or vehicle. Um, mm. you're getting there much quicker, uh, comfortably. And, and, uh, we're trying to move towards autonomous flying. So you don't have pilot error. Uh, so, so that, that at the moment, if I tell people about that, they kind of think I'm off on one and not really. <laughs> But the fact is, it's coming. We are flying. Uh, these planes do exist, and they work so efficient that it's unbelievable. It's kind of like finally the age of the Jetsons has arrived, and mm. it's here. Now all we have to do is pass certification with uh, the agencies that control you know, air traffic and things like that, and they have to be absolutely safe because that's, that's, the, that's the, uh, the, the biggest obstacle is, is being very sure that these things are safe and if you remove the pilot and become an autonomous uh craft then that helps to be safe believe it or not you know a lot of pilot error is responsible for accidents so uh but this this age is coming it's coming uh very soon and we're 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 almost there um and so when you look up and you see these these air taxis that probably don't even look like airplanes anymore because i've always believed that the most efficient forms in 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 in, in 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 the air are not birds they're actually fish fish go through a medium that's a lot denser than than air and so they have to naturally have a shape that's much more efficient so aerodynamics and hydrodynamics are actually the same thing just one's thicker than the other so if you have a optimized shape that goes through water imagine how much more efficient that is when it goes through air so there's a whole direction now of aircraft design that is starting to move in that direction of of really using much more efficient shapes than what we see in the air today. Um, and, and yeah, so it's, uh, it's an exciting world out there. Um, and I think, you know, cars aren't going to become less, less desirable. There's just probably a new generation of, of kids coming up now that aren't so interested in purchasing their own vehicle. They want to, you know, use the money for experiences and, and, and using it to get from one place to another, but not owning objects, which we already see that in society yeah. but um making that that way of getting from one place to another safer more enjoyable and more comfortable is 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 definitely one of the trends we see coming coming forward so you know you you just might see the day and age now in, in a few years time when kids aren't putting cars on their bedroom walls they're putting these these ev toll aircraft that kind of look like exotic fish that don't exist uh on their walls because they look so 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 awesome yeah. Well, I, I guess for me, the, the sort of deeper question is, you know, somebody like Jay Leno mm-hmm. comes to you. I know this from just having seen the trailer for the documentary, he buys a car. 
you know, I think that all the psychological research shows, right, that we get this shiny new toy, the satisfaction from it lasts for whatever, you know, long time we think. Well, granted, like I can mm -hmm. tell you from having upgraded my car, I thought the satisfaction wouldn't last, but it's uh -huh. because it was the first really nice car that I had that I never stopped enjoying it. But, um, you know, the, the question I think really is, you know, when somebody like that does that, does that satisfaction last? And, you know, as somebody who basically has spent your life, mm -hmm. you know, in your own words, chasing perfect. How do you live a life that's actually fulfilling and avoid bringing that uh, notion of looking at everything and saying, how could I make this better to mm. personal relationships? Mm. <laughs> because if you did that, I think to your wife, yeah, exactly. she probably go to hell. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, no, it's obvious. You, you, it's obvious that perfection, I, I think I've said it many times, perfection doesn't exist. But I think the mentality of chasing perfect is, a, is an ideal way of, 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 of everybody in life to, to be. You know, um, it's not, it's not right for a lot of people. There are a lot of people who just want to, you know, go off into the country and live as, as, as easy in a life as possible, as, as stress-free as possible. And, and they're completely happy that my brother, again, my brother bringing him in there, Raul was just like that. He, he didn't have aspirations to change the world or to better the world or anything. It was more about just, I'm going to exist and, and be happy with that. But we need people in the world who can uh, make the right changes uh, at times when it's absolutely needed. I mean, if we if we sort of stayed with the status quo, that is is not going to help anybody. I mean, it, it, we'll, we'll probably pollute less, or you know, we'll we'll, we'll find ways to to make the world uh, sustain us, or, or or you know, not be damaged by by progress. But at the same time, it's uh, was it was it Steve Jobs? I think that said, you know, the, the people who are crazy enough to think that they can change the world are the people that do change the world, and you need those kind of peoples in society to move the world forward. They, they're they're fantasists, you know. They're they're seen they're deemed as the loony guys out there, but they're the guys who do provide solutions to the world that, that the world doesn't know they need them. But when once they're shown that you know there are uh, solutions out there that can make the world a better place for us, then then you know, then they see it in a different light. But um, I, I I can't help. I mean, I, I don't want to say it's right or wrong what I'm doing, but if I am not satisfied with something, it's only because I want it to be a a better solution. And I'm enjoying right now uh, sort of a, a renewal to my um, a renaissance to my design career because I've finally realized. I don't know if you could say it finally realized I've known it for a long time, but the work I've been doing at the higher end of the market of the automotive design market, like you said, doesn't reach a lot of people. In other words, it's, it's not affecting too many lives in a positive way. And I've reached that point now where I think I've still got you know, a good 15, 20 years of design, I hope left in me. I'd rather take all that knowledge I've got or I've, I've accumulated over those three decades and use it in such a way that I, I reach a bit of a larger audience in a, in a beneficial way. So I've, I've left McLaren about a year and a half ago and I've taken on these different projects that are uh, definitely going to affect the world in a, in a much larger way than just designing high-end exotic cars, which again to say is not a bad thing, designing high-end exotic cars, because like we said, it's trickling down that technology. A lot of people say, what's the sense of... Uh, of a high-end uh, exotic car that nobody can afford or very few people can afford. Well, that's the test bed for the technology that will enable 
cars in the future to be safer and, and, and more enjoyable and, and, and things like that. So you have to start at the high end to bring that trickle down that technology. Okay. But looking past that, if I can design something now, which uh, I am not to let the cat out of the bag, but I'm working on the uh, safest infants, uh, safest infant car seat ever. So, um, you know, one of our most prized positions is uh, possessions as, as, as people are, future generation, our children. So what better thing than to provide a seat for your child when he's growing up or in his younger days um, that will ensure him to be a heck of a lot safer than anything else on the market at the moment. So this new baby seat that I'm working on will be a revolutionary seat that uh, that surpasses by a long shot anything else on the market today. And I feel really good about that. It might not sound as fun to design it as a as a high-end hypercar, but it's definitely as rewarding uh, when, when, it, when it does reach the market. Yeah. Ah, wow. Wow, this has been uh, really, really just uh, eye-opening, uh, thought-provoking. This is one random question out of morbid curiosity. Sure. Do you get to drive yeah. these cars or get to own them just because you design them? <laughs> Man, God, that's, that's where I get angry. They don't give us these cars. <laughs> oh, you can't <laughs> and you're my Mercedes so if my roommate goes out and for a joyride and crashes it. Nah, I mean, I'll tell you that, that I, I don't, uh, you know, because a lot of these cars are limited anyways, you yeah. know, if they're going to build 399 of them at, at, at a million and a half each, they don't want to just give you one. Uh, <laughs> uh, although you're respond as you're, you're kind of the daddy of it because it looks good and it sells well, but it's frustrating that they don't give them, give them to you. What they do let you do is they let you, um, drive them around. Uh-huh. They let you, if you go to another city in the world for an event or whatever, the, the the dealer treats you a bit like royalty and, and promotes the fact that the designer is here and look, he's driving the car to this event. So you can feel a bit like a stud in that respect. But at the same time, you don't really get to own these cars unless you, you pay out a certain amount of cash for it, which I've never seen telling you the truth. I've never seen the reason why these cars cost so much. Like I said, it's the cost the same to design a, a cheap, small car as it is an expensive car you get the same kind of thrill and you put the same kind of energy into the design of it um but at the same time it is a i mean also when you get to these cars like mclarens and 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 ferraris the performance levels of these cars are so high that a normal guy is never going to know where the limit is to drive them at that limit so i i do get the thrill of being able to go to a test track and having an incredible test driver nail it and yeah. show me what the car can actually do you know and and uh, for me that's 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 a huge thrill i wouldn't want to drive like that every day of the week but once in a while to get to feel the the limits of a highly super hyper exotic car is is kind of fun to get that that opportunity wow. um i've never owned a single car that i've ever designed so wow. it's, uh, but there's always i guess they always say the next one maybe you know and the next one's going to be the best one and hopefully yeah. i'll <laughs> Maybe I'll own it. I'm more into bikes than I am into cars, by the way. Oh, wow. So, well, hey, you know, if you're, yeah. you're ever in Denver, let us know. <laughs> we'll come hang out with McLaren Denver dealer. Yeah, we'll, I'll, we'll, we'll take a trip to the McLaren or the Ferrari dealer, and we'll see what we can do for, yeah. <laughs> for the weekend. Um, well, I have one final question for you. Uh, mm-hmm. As you've probably heard me ask this, I know you've heard our interviews. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something mm-hmm. mistakable? Say that again? What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? Uh, unmistakable in what sense? 
Well, you know, it's funny because I've asked this question to so many people. Mm. Uh, and everybody has different answers to it. I'll give you the definition yeah. that I came up with for the okay. of writing my own book. You know, I define unmistakable as something that is so distinctive that nobody else could have created it but you. Ah, unique. Yeah. You mean uh, what makes somebody? Well, definitely. I mean, nobody can design what I. It's almost. Uh, Again, going back to that wiring concept, we're all wired differently. You know, it just takes a couple different uh, neurons to fire to make something unique on, on, on one person's uh, a radar, I guess. Um, I, I, we all have our, our tastes and we all have, you know, our ways of being uh, projecting our taste to the world or, or, or what we like and not like. But I, my, my upbringing definitely um, influences my 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 identity i guess you could say i i mean i like i said i grew up in morocco and these countries so you can't expect somebody with that kind of upbringing to have the same uh design tastes or or outlook on life as somebody who was brought up in a small town in the middle of you know oklahoma or somewhere it's got a it, it, there is influences in your life that that do guide you and form you as you as you grow up i i have a very uh, uh, unbiased, unrestricted view on cultures of the world and on people of the world. I find every place I've ever been fascinating. And, and typically I see the, you know, there are negatives to every country and, and, and things, but I, I typically am optimistic in the way I, 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 I view life. So I tend to concentrate on the, on the, on the good things, uh, or on the positive things that I can learn. And that, kind of makes me generally to be viewed as a happy person, somebody who, who, who's smiling all the time, which is not a truth. It is not, not really the fact because a lot of us creative peoples are very, very um, moody, I guess you could say. We can, we can almost seem bipolar at times, but uh, I think it's just a fact of, of life that if you're a creative person, you're, 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 you're an optimist, but at the same time, little things, uh, we're not thick skinned creatures, so to speak. Anything can affect us, mm. uh, pretty hard and we're sensitive to the extreme, um, especially if you're a Libra. So, <laughs> but I think, I think, um, what makes us unique is basically for one shirt, one, one definite thing is, is, is your parentage, the way you're brought up in your family. And and you can be completely different to your siblings, or you can be very similar in other respects too. I think that that's a fact, obviously. But um, the way your parents bring you up, those values uh, can really, really set you up for life. And 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 the ones who are, you know, we we all have most of us love our parents, but some people have parents who really go to an extreme to make sure that um, you're brought up in a, in a in a certain way. And my father and mother were both extremely, extremely involved with anything I've ever done in my life and always tried to push me, I guess you could say, to make sure that I was putting in enough effort to, to get a good result back. And, and um, you know, not that they never praised me. They, they were just kind of disappointed when I never did the best I, they thought I could do. So there's, there's this constant thing in my life about, uh, I wouldn't call it imposter syndrome, but never feeling like you're good enough uh, you're never really satisfied with whatever you do, even if you do reach a high level in life of whatever you want to do. That's never it's never the ultimate. There's always a, a, another thing that you can do in life that brings you to a higher level. So, 
you know, people say, gosh, Frank, you've, you've accomplished a lot. Why don't you just shut off and relax and, you know, enjoy the fruits of your labor? It's, I can't, I wouldn't be happy. I have to just keep you know, looking for another challenge that, that makes a big uh, impact, not only on my life, but you know, on society, I guess. And um, I remember you asked earlier about, you know, if you're never satisfied, how do you, how do you feel fulfilled? I don't know if it's really about feeling fulfilled because if you feel fulfilled, you might as well hang up your boots and you know check out. Um, it's that challenge that keeps me motivated to to do to do better or to do something better. And in terms of relationships, you know, I, I didn't get married till I was fifty, you know, and I'd never been married before, and I kind of waited for a long time to get married, so I kind of had to make sure I got the right one in that sense. It took me a while, but I did find her, and. Um, so I am happy now, you know, I, I wouldn't change her in any way or shape or form. I'm happy. Um, but that's just, you know, because I found her, if I hadn't found her, I probably wouldn't be married yet. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's Amazing. Life. Um, well, I can't thank you enough for joining us and sharing your really mm. insane story with our listeners and uh, your wisdom and insight. Where can people find out more about you, uh, your work and everything that you're up to? Uh, well, uh, let's see, there is that film that's just come out called Chasing Perfect. Uh, we'll be at Sonoma in end of March at the film festival where there'll be a screening of it, the International Film Festival of Sonoma at the end of March. Then, uh, we're working on a book at the moment that will be coming out probably later this year. So it's a, it's a good in-depth detailed story about, about mindsets and, uh, and, and, and getting through life without depending on luck, I guess. <laughs> uh, and the other thing, obviously, is the, uh, the website. There's a www.frankstephenson.com, and that's, that's about the best way to do it. Um, Chasing Perfect is going on the Motor Trend channel, so it'll be downloadable through that, that site there. Hmm. Um, yeah, no, I'm um, boiling on the boil, as they say. Amazing. Uh, and for everybody listening, we will wrap the show with that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. While you were listening, were there any moments you found fascinating, inspiring, instructive, maybe even heartwarming? Can you think of anyone, a friend or a family member who would appreciate this moment? If so, take a second and share today's episode with that one person because good ideas and messages are meant to be shared. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, welcome to the Next Wave Podcast. Consider us your chief AI officer in your business. My name is Matt Wolf. I have the number one YouTube channel in the AI space. I also run futuretools.com and I'm joined by my co-host, Nathan Lands, founder of lore.com. We want to bring you the latest AI news and trends, show you how you can use AI in your business and personal life and help make it super easy for you to understand and execute. We're going to equip you with the knowledge to thrive in this upcoming wave of change. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.